Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the hope and the help of your word. Lord, thanks for what you've done in Hope's life. Lord, thanks for the courage that you gave her to share the truth of her story. And Lord, thanks for how you have woke her up to the truth of Jesus Christ. And I pray you just protect her, guide her. Lord, thanks for your word. And I pray that this morning you just encourage us through it and that you would guide us and teach us. And Lord, pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To understand the complexities of the life of faith, God compares the Christian life to that of a race. He does it numerous times in Scripture, but in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, he is painting a big picture of the Christian life and the life of faith, and he paints it with a race. And it's not just a sprint. It's not just a short-distance race. The way he paints the picture of the Christian life is a long-distance marathon. And when you run a marathon, you need motivation, and motivation matters. Years ago, when I would do some marathons, and I'd train for them and run them, um, you would need the motivation. And if, and, and, but the motivation had to be reality. If someone would say to me, hey, Paul, just keep up with the Kenyans, um, and you'll be fine, that would not help me at all. Because uh, literally, I was running the Chicago Marathon one time, I got to the halfway point, and I could hear, hear the finish line of the Kenyan that just won it. Um, and by the time I got to the finish line, they were already on the airplane uh, back home. So it has to be based in reality if the motivation is going to be helpful. And in the midst of a marathon, though, if you're running, if you've ever run, run, there are moments where you have questions that pop up. You get weary. Things get foggy. You get fearful. Am I going to finish it? Did I train well enough? Am I going to make it all the way through? Is that lady 25 years older than me going to pass me up again? Uh, and am I going to finish this? And in, in life, it's the same way. In the Christian life, we need the motivations of faith. We have the same questions. Am I going to make it? Is this worth it? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this things can get foggy. I can get fearful. And often, you can feel like you're fumbling along in the race. This is where the people of Hebrews were, and this is why this was written. And if you feel this morning... Like you're fumbling through, I want to encourage you to endure to the end. Because there are things that you can know in how to run the race that is set before you. 
And all of us have been given a race that has been set before us. Everybody in this room has been running the race this week. You have things coming up this week, and the race is different in a sense. But how you run it as a believer is encouraged. There's help for that. The people that in the book of Hebrews, they had started out well in the faith. They had, they had changed. They had grown. But then they started to get weary. They started to get foggy. They started to get forgetful. They started to get fearful. And they started to wonder if they would finish the race. And so God comes to them and he encourages them with faith and he says, finish the race. And the call is to run the race with endurance, the race that is set before you. But how do you do that? How can we be helped in our Christian race to do that in our Christian walk? And there's just three things. There's a lot of things we could pull out of this, but there's three things I want you to know this morning so that you can run the life of faith with Endurance, running the life of faith. That's what we're called to do. Run it with endurance. How do you do that? Three things this morning. One, first thing is to continue in the race of faith and to run in, in endurance that we can be encouraged by when you get foggy, when you get weary, is to remember that God loves to save. God loves to save. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. We are getting ready to come forward as followers of Christ and receive communion, where we remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a significant thing. It's a significant reality. But why would we gather in the beginning of a week to come forward, to take bread, to take the cup, to remember the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, because there's a very serious reality. God loves to save, because there's a problem. God created us for his glory. He created us to run the race of life a certain way. We all refused. We rejected God's way of doing that, and sin is actions, but sin is also an attitude. It's an attitude of rebellion against God, where we just ignore him, and we attempt to run our lives our own way. We, we, we think that we can do it our way. And the problem with that is God is holy and just. And Habakkuk 1.13 says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Because of our sin, there's been a broken relationship between us and God. And if you continue on the path of doing it your own way and rejecting what God has called you to do, that's a path to destruction. It's a path to failure. It's a path to failing in the race, but God loves to save. And so we gave a very serious response to that very serious problem. He sent his son to the earth to live the life that we would not and could not live left to ourselves, and he came to rescue people. First Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. All kinds of sinners. Sinners like in Luke 15, the prodigal son, who says, I don't need you, God. I don't need you, Dad. Let me take all my money and go. And he lived a wild life, all kinds of debauchery, all kinds of horrific things. The story says God loves to save him. But God also loves to save the second brother who stayed home, followed the rules, did everything he was supposed to do, tried real hard, but was also in just as much need of God. God loves to save him 
as well. God loves to save. This is what's going to help us. Jesus, looking to Jesus, look to Jesus. It's, and when it says look to Jesus, it is, means it's to take a look away from the things that have, you are concentrated on and look and submit your life and turn and trust in Jesus Christ. It's a change. It's a transformation. And the way to succeed in running the Christian life and the way to run in life is seeing that, you know what, God loves you and God loves to save. It's a serious reality that needed a very serious response that came with a very serious response and that God himself said, I'm going to come and rescue people, those who are self-righteous and those who are just self-destructive. For all of them, I will come and I will rescue them and I will do it with unbelievable, serious joy. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the, at the throne of God. The word despising can look to be negatively, it can mean looked down on, or it also could mean to despise, to be, to be brave, to be unafraid. Over and over, Jesus said, fear not, fear not, constantly telling people, fear not. And he followed what he said. Jesus was not unfazed by the cross. The cross killed him. But he wasn't afraid of the cross. He knew why he came. He knew what the result would be. He knew who he could trust in. And he knew the love of the Father. And he could go to the cross, take all the wrath of it, take all the punishment, take all the pain, take all the hurt, and he could die unafraid. Because he knew God loves to save. And he knew that the Father would raise him from the dead so that those who would trust in Jesus Christ could come to know him. The, one, the way to run the race first is just to know that God loves to save, and he loves to save you. In 2022, that's who he wants to save, and he wants to do it with joy. There's an old hymn that said, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. I came to Jesus as I was so weary, worn and sad. I found him in a resting place, and he has made me glad. The testimony of hope is that God found her in a weary, sad place as a teenage girl, and now he's made her glad. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's going to help push you forward in your own. God loves to save. Looking to Jesus, he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Not only does God love to save us, but God loves to shape us. It says, so, so you're surrounded by these great crowd of witnesses. Lay aside of your weight and the sin which clings. Consider Jesus who endured such sinners, such hostility against himself. You have not yet grown, you have not yet struggled against sin. You've resisted it to the point of shedding blood like Jesus did. God loves to shape people, or really in a sense, he wants to make them what he wants them to be. He wants to help them finish the race. When you start a marathon, when you start to run, you've got to train and it's a struggle. You got to discipline yourself to do that. And God loves to shape people. He wants to help them. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so easily. Lay down the things that are distracting you from running the race that God's called you to. Set the things down, even the good things. They made their sins, and there are things that are just holding you back. And Jesus, God says, lay them down. I want to shape you. And this is for your good, because I want you to have the stability so that you can run all the way 
through. I want you to finish well. And listen, it is a process, not a perfection. You don't come to Jesus and all of a sudden everything's just perfect. It is an absolute process. So if you feel like, man, I've been in this process a long time. I don't seem to be making very much steps forward, but you're trusting in Jesus and you want him to shape your life. He's doing it. Just let him keep doing it. It's a process. It's not perfection, but it's a desire saying, God, I want to let you lead me because it leads to strength. When you're running a marathon and you start running, nobody runs with heavy coats, sweatshirts on. When you start the Chicago Marathon, there's 40,000 people. For me, there was 20,000 people in front of me. And you start running. By the time the 8 o'clock start happens, 15 minutes later, I was starting the the start line. And as you go, it's actually one of the funnest things I loved about it. Everybody's got their garbage bags over them, their sweatsuits on, their heavy coats. And as soon as they start go, I can look up at this crowd and I don't even have to know anything. I may not even hear the whistle, but I can just see clothes flying everywhere. There's just stuff flying all over the place. And we're, everybody's just taking everything that they've been using to keep themselves warm. You toss it all off and you're just running for about half a block or so on people's clothes. There's no pavement left because everybody has just been shedding everything that would help them succeed. And this is what God loves to do. It's for our good that he says, I want to shape you. It's, a, it's to help us in our, it seems like a struggle sometimes. We don't under, understand why he's doing that to us, but it's to stabilize us, to help us grow so that we can have strength. And the reason he wants us to shape us and to shed all that stuff is so that we can have the freedom to flourish. You want to be a runner in a marathon and succeed. You wear the least amount that you can possibly so you can flourish, so you can actually have freedom. It's good that God loves to shape us. It's so you can have no fear, and then you can have, you don't have to fear others. You're just flourishing in what God has called you to do. God loves to save. God loves to shape, which helps us run. And then God loves to surround us. It says, therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And this picture is not the idea that everybody that you know, that died, that loved Jesus, is up in heaven, bored to death, so they have to look down here to see what's going on. That's not the picture. It's a cool picture. We'd like to think it'd be nice, but the Bible doesn't paint that picture anywhere else in Scripture. The people are up there looking down at us. They're waiting for us to finish the line. But the picture is, we have been surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who have lived the life of faith before us, which is what all Hebrews 11 says. It's all these people of faith who lived the life of faith, who didn't see the promise, but they kept running, they kept enduring, they kept struggling, they kept getting shaped by God, and they knew God had saved them, and they knew God loved them, but then they were struggling through, and he writes this whole chapter, and he says, therefore, because you have all these people who lived the life of faith, they're like your witnesses, and they have crossed the line ahead of you, and they are waiting for you, and they're cheering you on, but what we are looking for, we are surrounded by their supplies of faith. All of us have struggles. Everybody's struggling here is different. You're all going through different situations and struggles, but you can find through Scripture somebody who struggled in those areas or somebody, an older saint, who struggled in those areas, who kept the walk of faith, who kept trusting in Jesus when it looked very dark and very long and very hard, but they just kept trusting. 
Those truths are a great cloud of witnesses that God surrounds us with, and he just supplies us with these pictures, these stories, these realities that say, this is what the life of faith is like, and you just keep running, because remember, Moses had to do this, David had to do this, Hannah had to do this, and so just keep running. They ran the life of faith, you can run the life of faith. God loves to surround people like that. He's a God that he's, he didn't have to do that. He supplies us with that, and he supplies us with this unbelievable resource, and it's a continual resource which is found in his word. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree. This is what happens when you have this support system, and you're at mile 17 in a marathon, and you have these People cheering you on, this cloud of witnesses, you, you, you know this. It supplies you with this confidence that you can finish, that you're going to make it, that your training was worth it, that you, you did the right thing. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. For it leaves him remaining green, and it is not and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to be fruit. I ran the Chicago Marathon in the hottest year ever, where we were running and people were dropping all over the place. I heard ambulances going on. I thought it was just Chicago, and it, it's a mile twenty-one. And they tell you, "Stop running! You have to walk the rest of the way." I was so angry uh, that I had trained so hard and I had studied and I read all the books and I had knew how to do it, and I was able to finish. I could have done it even in the heat, but they wouldn't let us. This is what it feels like to be surrounded by faith and the lives of people with faith. We can have this confidence that even when we struggle, we can trust. And we don't have to fear the heat. We can feel it. We feel it, but we can survive. God loves to save us. God loves to shape us. And God loves to surround us, which gives us the endurance to keep running. I love race stories. One of the greatest ones is the 1972 Olympics. Dave Waddle, who wore a white hat, and nobody can wear hats in the Olympics anymore. He was running the 800, which is a short race, 800 meters, two laps, in the 1972 Olympics. It started out, it wasn't his thing. It starts out, and instantly, everybody else just takes off in front of him. And he is so far back, as you watch the video, it looks like he'll never catch up. He makes it all the way around the first lap. He's still in last place. And then, the crowd kind of starts to slow down, and Dave Waddle starts to pick up, and he runs the second lap, and he catches up everyone, and he wins the gold medal in the 1972 Olympics by three one-hundredths of a second. And he said, my life is totally different because of those three one-hundredths of a second that meant the difference between gold and silver. And if you want your life to be a life of gold, it's looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And it may feel like just a three-second difference, but it's a massive difference. When you say, I'm going to turn my life over to Jesus Christ, I'm going to trust him, I know it's a God who loves to save people. I know it's a God who loves to shape me, and I know it's a God who's not going to leave me or forsake me, but he actually surrounds me. It gives us the encouragement. It gives us the endurance 
through a new school year of teaching, through new jobs, through moves, through changes. It gives you the ability to look forward and say, I will run with endurance and with hope. And it speaks to us. It says that Jesus says, despising the shame, and Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Means Jesus is seated at a place of authority, and everything he says is true. And what Jesus says is, follow me, and there's eternal life. Endure, and I will supply, and I will support you. So this morning, as you prepare to come to the table, are you looking to Jesus? Look to Jesus. Lean on Jesus. Let Jesus lead. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray.